Cash Color Canvas, a high level of conversation, a high level of conversation. Um, today we have a super dope guest. We're not in studio. We're, we're out of we're out of studio today. But um, I do have a super dope guest in the building today. My man Chris Darkins. Um, Chris, what's good with you, man? Oh, no problem, man. You're, well, your story is definitely one that's been that that's been registering with my my listeners anyway. So I thought it'd be great to get you on. Um, but before we get into the the meat and potatoes or everything, um, tell us about yourself. Like, one, how did you find yourself involved with your life in the um, initially? Uh, so you know, my story is long and it's kind of history. But you know, I, I had kind of a privileged upbringing. Uh, you know, I went to a, you know, all-boys Catholic high school, went to you know, University of Minnesota on a college scholarship, uh, played football there, then ended up going to uh, the Green Bay Packers uh, as a fourth-round draft pick in the 96 draft, won a Super Bowl um, that first year, went back the next year, and uh, we lost the Super Bowl. So um, shortly after that, I kind of got into business. And then about five years later is when I really – uh, came face to face with the fact that I was a black man living in America, <laughs> and as privileged, yeah, <laughs> and as privileged as I might have been uh, with all of the success I've had in football and the large in business, um, you know, it really hits home when you know you're a mile down the street from your house with your wife coming home from church and you get arrested for failure to turn, to, uh, to use your turn signal when you actually did use your turn signal, so. You know, that's some 20 years ago uh, when I got arrested for the first time and thrown in the jail cell for what I uh, believe was clearly a, a case of uh, abuse of power. Mm. And that kind of started my journey to kind of deal with the law and kind of understand it and to get a better comprehension of what our rights are. So I spent a lot of time voraciously reading uh, about the constitutional laws, and, and uh, I was constantly coming to interaction with police and just refused to let my right to be violated and, uh, you know, would quite frequently find myself in jail and, um, you know, charged with charges that it would eventually get dismissed. Um, but that was kind of what kind of got me into kind of the advocacy space. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, I connected with a, with a group of guys here in, in, in the U.S. domestically that were really focused on you know, how can we bring change to our communities? And that was kind of the genesis of, of the Y'all Life uh, initiative, which eventually has become Y'all Life Nation. Okay, and uh, well, Y'all Life is doing amazing, amazing work when it comes to um, when it comes to, to criminal justice reform. And one of the one of the names that's that's really caught our attention and caught your attention, obviously, is, is Rollo. You know, down in Atlanta, we're very familiar with Rollo as far as our artists and some of the stuff he's been doing in the community. And we all know that right now he's behind bars. But you've been you've been lucky enough to be in touch with him. And, and hopefully you're helping him with his situation. Um, speak to us about how y'all how you kind of got connected with Rollo and what's the status of his situation right now? Like are, and, and how far along are y'all as far as helping him out with his situation? Sixteen, I was I was charged with a thirteen-minute indictment of the Northern District of Georgia for mm-hmm. possession with intent to distribute marijuana or conspiracy to possess to distribute marijuana. I represented myself in the beating case. Um, so one day I'm kind of running through uh, my Instagram feed, and a message keep, kept popping up about you know this guy in, in in Georgia who was arrested for this marijuana conspiracy, and it you know kind of gave the background on you know this is a guy who you know, 
lot of money, what he decided to do is instead of going out and buying a big house in the white suburbs, he bought an apartment building. And he was letting people live in the apartment building from his neighborhood that were contributing to its upliftment. So, you know, I ultimately ended up getting in contact with somebody. I wasn't. I think somebody reached out to me. Okay. Uh, and I told him, look, you know, I could potentially help you in the situation, but, you know, we need to kind of go through the allied process to make sure this is something that we want to do. So, um, you know, we eventually kind of did our background, our research on, on who Rollo was, what he was doing in the community, and find out that, you know, he's a he's an upstanding guy. He's a he's the kind of brother that you kind of want to build communities around. Um, and we decided that, you know, this is something that we're definitely going to pursue. So uh, we've been kind of helping advise uh, him and some of the other folks involved in the case on some of the strategies that they can employ in order to uh, to beat the charges um, that we think are being unjustly brought against him. Okay. And from what I was reading, um, the the Criminal Economic Justice Syndicate, um, he should be eligible for that. Um, can you explain to our listeners what the Criminal and Inge- Criminal and Economic Justice Syndicate is and how somebody would be eligible for that program? So, the first thing that you have to be is you have to be a Yalife member. Okay. Uh, to kind of receive the benefit of all of the services of the CEJS. And, you know, Yalife is kind of the tip of the spear for black self-defense. I mean, we don't just talk about doing things. We actually get engaged and we get involved and we do. Um, so the criminal economic justice system was part of a resolution that we had passed very early on in the initiative's lifespan, uh, where we were committed to addressing mass incarceration uh, in our communities. So what we do is we provide uh, legal advocacy, arraignment intervention, uh, either through education or through attorneys uh, that work with us as well. And, you know, we try to address uh, these issues that are, that are too big for any one person to kind of understand you know, what's the root cause of it, what's the systematic way that they kind of get you wrapped into these things, and we you know, focus our attention on that. Okay. So, and looking and looking down the road now, um, you know, you are working with Rallo. Um, how's it looking like right now for his case? Does it does it look like it's it's optimistic as far as seeing him being on the streets and being back free soon? And I think that uh, ultimately, um, as long as we continue to apply pressure, um, that he will, his charges will be dismissed against him, and he'll find himself a free man back at home. And the, the the issues that his case have are similar to the issues that were in the indictment that they brought against me. And the reality is, is that there's no federal authority for them to uh, charge him based upon the circumstances in that case. Um, but if it's not properly challenged, they do what they want to do. Yeah, and of course. We're here to help them properly challenge that. Yeah, of, of course, of course. I mean, you know, most people don't fully understand their rights, which is why we see so many brothers locked up behind the system right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it's not, it's not even their rights, right? I mean, you, you can understand your rights, but then you got to also understand what's the authority of the courts, what's the authority of federal federal law. Like, you know, how, how can they operate in certain spaces? And that's really kind of the, the challenge with Rollo's case is that there really is no federal authority that's just, that exists. It's all perceived. And, you know, we're now taking the steps for him to properly challenge that. And uh, ultimately, we think that the charges will be dismissed rather than them having to explain how it is they have authority when they don't.
<laughs> no, I, to I totally understand that, man. And y'all have been successful so far. You've gotten at least six cases already um, um, successfully successfully dismissed, correct? Well, we work behind the scenes. Okay. Um, you know, we have cases covering a myriad of different issues uh, that we've been involved in uh, that have either gotten dismissed or moved to a very equitable resolution. Okay. You know, and it's not just drug cases, but, you know, we're across the country, actually across the globe. Um, black folks or Negroes uh, like us are under sustained oppression uh, by systems that are in place. So, um, you know, we really focus on you know, how can we create, you know, a, a level playing field uh, across the globe. And, um, yeah, so we've been successful in getting a number of cases that either dismissed or brought to an equitable resolution that we think makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of a level level playing field, um, we're in a situation right now as far as with cannabis legalization, where you're seeing more states learn lean towards legalizing than not anymore. You know, like we're in a situation now where you almost have more more than half the country who's legalizing one way or another, whether it be recreational or or medical. But it's at the same time we're still being incarcerated for the same situations. Um, what's your opinion on, on legalization right now, and how do you feel like that's going to, do you feel like that will impact us as far as being being um, incarcerated on, a, on the rate that we are being incarcerated when it comes to possession and when it comes to handling cannabis? You know, I have a very complex answer to that question. Mm -hmm. um, you know, legalization, licensing, and regulation is just a way for to orderly transfer a monopoly. Um you know, right now, as it exists, with all the prohibition laws on the books, uh, the states essentially monopolize the, the marijuana trade. They can selectively choose who to prosecute and who not to prosecute. Mm -hmm. uh, they know everybody who's selling, everybody who's bringing it in. They know it all. They have extensive amounts of information, and they're being selective on who they prosecute relative to that. So, <clears throat> you know, from our perspective, uh, legalization doesn't really do much to help us. Mm -hmm. Uh, because then they'll just find another another tool to incarcerate us, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you if, if you think about cannabis in the context of alcohol, there had to be constitutional mm -hmm. amendments for the prohibition of alcohol, mm -hmm. but there hasn't been any constitutional amendments for the prohibition of marijuana. No. So, the, the big question is whether it was whether it was unlawful in the first place for the marijuana trade, and I think you'll find with case law, and the answer is that no, it is not unlawful. But when you, again, don't know how to challenge the system and its application to you, uh, you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you really don't have a voice to speak about your rights because you don't know the proper procedure. And, again, that's where we get back to, you know, there's a procedure in order to contest uh, the unlawful application of both federal and state laws. And we hope that, uh, you know, the more educated people are, the more comfortable they can become. If, if they choose to engage in a legal manner, they can engage in a legal manner. But if they choose to continue to engage in where they are, they can continue to, to make a living because those are economic issues that they're facing, and that's why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And um, being an ex-player, um, have you have you looked at the league? What's going on recently, as far as with with with? Well, we have definitely MMJ and definitely CBD products are available for pain relief and pain and, and, and dealing with pain. But the league has not been open as far as allowing players to to, to access that. Do you feel like we're going to ever we're going to see those laws, those rules change in the NFL as well as we start seeing more laws change in this country? Or is that something you're, that you do see as, as as a possibility in the NFL anytime soon? So I think that. 
know, the workplace safety issue. Mm. I totally get that one, man. Um, you don't want nobody step on, like you say, being impaired. But I also wouldn't want somebody stepping on the field, having having being high off so many um, pain medicines as well. You know, you're still not in your right mind. imagine um let's get back to 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 your life um you're again doing amazing work when it comes to mass incarceration and and it comes to educating people about what their options are out here um what's what's what are you working on currently going throughout the rest of the year i mean i know you are working with rollo and other people um are you working on anything are they working on anything bigger as far as national wise that maybe to to like a call of action when it comes to criminal mass incarceration and criminal justice reform you know, the, the challenge is it's so daunting of, a, of, a, of an issue to address um, that we, you know, we get an influx of requests for support and assistance. And, you know, we're only as strong as our community is. Yeah. And, you know, what we do is we, we educate um, everybody who comes in our community. The first thing that they do is they, they take curriculum, which educates them on how to, number, what your rights are, but then number two, how to protect and enforce your rights in, in the court of law. Um, so that's really kind of the focus of what we do is we kind of expand through our networks, our community networks. So Rallo is uh, obviously a, a Yalife citizen, a Yalife member. So that now also incorporates Fam America, America, which is his organization as a Yalife institution. So now all of the communities in Yalife support for America and the things that they're trying to do. And we will work through them in order to bring this, you know, these services to, to that community as well. So we kind of, you know, we kind of work off these these organized groups that become Yalife institutions through that support. We give them all the things and the services that they need in order to function on a daily basis. Well, y'all are doing amazing work, brother. Uh, before we fade out, let people know, I guess, if they did want to reach out to you, how they could contact you and how they can learn more about Yalife and, and, and how maybe that could work for them. Certainly. Uh, so... You know, again, I'll just say this. We cover more than just economic justice. We cover, I mean, sorry, criminal justice. We cover economic issues, social issues, uh, cultural issues, entertainment. We are, you know, global in in scope. We have uh, an embassy in West Africa. Uh, We're developing more relationships on the continent because we think it's important to reconnect back to our ancestral inheritance. Um, But if you want to learn more about Yalife, you go to www.yalife.com and you uh, go to the learn more section. And just fill out the form, and someone will reach out to you and give you a, a full breakdown and explanation of kind of what it is we're about and how to get involved. All right, 
That's awesome. Chris, I appreciate your time, man. And um, if you're ever in Atlanta, we'd love to have you um, in studio and come have this conversation with us as well. Hopefully we get we get Rollo free and we can stop saying free him online. Um, thank you very much for your time, brother. Perfect. Thanks, man.